This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This is Brant Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. Hey, what's up? This is Kyle from The Sword, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Graham Bonnet, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to episode 144 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this time around, as promised... We have an interview with the legendary Graham Bonnet. You may know Graham from Rainbow, from his work with Alcatraz, Michael Shanker, Impelitary, so on and so forth. So I had the pleasure of speaking to him a little while back about his new album, The Book. And what a great album. It definitely is within my top 25 albums of the year. I absolutely love what he's done. There are a lot of musicians of his stature that sign these deals, and you get a hold of the album, and you're like, fuck, they, they're they mailing it in. And this, to me, has Graham sounding absolutely phenomenal. You know, like he always has, has a very tight band behind him. The drummer's... Mark Zonder, who was part of Fate's Warning, he's no slouch at all. He's played with, if I'm not mistaken, Uli John Roth as well, and a bunch of other people. He's done a ton of session work. The, the guy's no slouch at all. Uh, he's got uh, Bethany, I want to pronounce this right, Heavenstone on bass, and rounding out the band is Conrado Pestinado from Brazil on guitars, and you know, one of the first questions that we get into is sort of the uphill battle of trying to find someone that's going to cover Blackmore, <laughs> Malmsteen, Vi, Shanker, Impelitary, so on and so forth. And I think he does a good job of it. You'll hear me ask Graham about that specific topic and uh, the second CD that comes with the book, which is basically a, a covers album, which Graham is pretty frank about. Wasn't something that he was keen about initially, but the label wanted it. He had to do it. So you'll hear him talk about that. And I also want to send a shout out to our good friend, Will Walner, who sent in a question, which elicited a really cool reaction about playing with Rainbow. Will is a is a huge fan of Rainbows and Richie Blackmore's and he was at both shows that Richie did this summer. So I I had to turn to him. I said, dude, you're you're the biggest Rainbow fan that I know that I can get in touch with. There's there's a few of them that I know, but he responded with this question, you guys will hear it. So, uh, as usual, want to remind you guys of all the great stuff that we have going on. If you, if this is your first introduction to the Mars Attacks podcast, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find all of our other episodes. You can also go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store as well. We also have links at the top and the bottom of every page to our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, uh, so on and so forth. 
link up with us there, say hello, send your questions, all that great stuff. Also, for those of you that are hopping on to the Mars Attacks bandwagon for the first time, welcome aboard. (laughs) I want to also plug my other podcast, Galaxy of Geeks, which... For those of you that don't know, Star Wars related, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, anything that's sci-fi, geek related, TVs, movies, comics, uh, you name it, we talk about it. So there's that, galaxyofgeeks.net, much like Mars Attacks, the podcast. We are on all those other great outlets as well, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, so on and so forth. Also want to direct you guys to Earpeeler, my podcasting news site, where we try to bring attention to all types of hard rock, metal, um, now wrestling, sci-fi related, and all types of other podcasts, uh, which which have interviews or, you know, for the most part, we send around interviews or, or gear reviews or, or things of that nature, but we do slide in other things as well. And want to thank you guys for for going there steadily and checking things out. If you click on any of the ads on any of these three sites that I've mentioned, if you go to Amazon, I get a kickback for anything that you end up purchasing. I know that there are listeners out there that do this with other sites. Nobody's holding a gun to your head, but if you would kindly do it, with Ear Peeler or Mars Attacks or Galaxy of Geeks, we'd be greatly, 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 greatly appreciative. And there's also affiliates links there. So if you see, if you click on any affiliates, anything that you purchase, same deal. We get a small percentage, a small, 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 tiny percentage, but every, any little bit helps we also have merch stores for mars attacks we only have one t-shirt for now should have another one shortly at the beginning of the year and we have some for ear peeler so if you want to help us out you can do so via merch also and what else that's pretty much the paying the bills portion of of the intro to the show you know, a lot of people say, well, you got to get that out of the way initially because people tune out. But then at the same time, you have people that say, you know, shut up, get on with it and get on to the interview. Uh, before we do get into the interview with Graham, I do want to play some tracks that I've absolutely loved from over the years with Graham involved as the singer, obviously. And we're going to... We'll, we'll play the usual, you know, three, four tracks uh, or samples of, I should say, before jumping into the interview. And first off, since I did mention that my intro to the band was sort of the whole impellitary thing, I want to jump into a track off of the first album by Impellitary that featured him, which is Stand in Line. And, I mean, I I play this all the time. I I use the track Leviathan as an intro to one of the themes, you know, to to one of the theme shows that I do. So, um, let's go with, what the hell, let's just go with Stand in Line. Uh, that's probably one of the better known tracks off of there. It's just such a cool track. Uh, there's so many things. I mean, Leviathan is 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 really cool too. Screw it. Let's let's just go Leviathan. What the hell? <laughs> let's go with that track, and we'll be back with some more Mars attacks in a second.
there you go. A little impellitary coming off the Stand in Line album. That is the track Leviathan. And the dope that I am, I did have to say something else. Please click on advertise if you do want to advertise on the site on marsattacksradio.com. Uh, you can go over to our advertise cast account and you can sign up for one of the many cool packages that we have going on there this is open to podcasts bands people that want to want us to promote any type of merch they may have so go there and you find out all the great information and all you got to do is go to marsataxradio.com and click on advertise from the menu banner right there across the top of the page so there you go um, next, let's jump into some more in Pelletary with Graham Bonnet. This was originally, originally, excuse me, originally released only in Japan. The name of the album is, is System X. It came out after 9-11, which is why the track United We Stand has a whole 9-11 type feel to it. I've played tracks off of this before, but uh, let's get to the track. Let's see. Let's 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 go with She's a Nighttime Lover. Really love this track. There's a lot of cool stuff on this album. And no disrespect to Rob Rock, Chris and Palateri, or any fans of either or. It's just for me, for my liking, my weird sensibilities. When I hear Graham singing behind Chris's playing, it just takes, in my opinion, it takes Chris to another level. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. That's just my opinion. So that's that. Anyway, She's a Nighttime Lover by Impelitary featuring Graham Bonnet on vocals.
one that I'm not sure if you can find in Amazon. If there are links to purchase that, I'll post it on the site. Remember to help the show out and all the bands that you love that you may hear on here. Pick up their music, use our Amazon links, and once again, help us out and help promote the band as well. So, Graham came into MSG at a a strange time in the sense that Cozy Powell had left. He was, you know, in Rainbow with him, and you'll hear him talk about Cozy during the the interview. Cozy Powell is one of my all-time favorite drummers. There, there's just something about his playing, whether it was with MSG, whether it was with Rainbow, whether it was with Black Sabbath. You know, there, there's just... So much cool stuff that that he did, you know, al- along the way. And, man, it's a shame that they couldn't have reconnected while in MSG. But what we are going to bring you here, th- this is a track that I absolutely love. And you can definitely see that Michael is taking his influences from what he had done with UFO initially and something that has influenced Dave Mustaine later on because I know of bands that vicariously have played something similar and I've said to them in in interviews like sort of off the air that one part here in this song you get that from Mustaine, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I go, well, that's a Shanker part. Whether you want to admit Michael Shanker's influence in your playing or not, that's a Michael Shanker part. What do you mean? I said, well, go back and listen to Love to Love or listen to um, the Desert Song and you tell me if if that's a Michael Shanker part or not. So we're going to jump into the track off of Assault Attack, Desert Song. I love this track. This is one of my all-time favorite Shanker tracks. And again, it's it's strange with the lineup that they sort of had and the, the shift and the sounds and the keyboards and everything else that happened you know, during that time period. But it is what it is, you know. Uh, check the track out, Desert Song. Michael Shanker Group.
the desert song coming off of Assault Attack. Man, if you don't have that, definitely pick it up. Or you could always pick up the new version of the track on the book. So there you go. Uh, We're going to jump into a sound sample off of a track from the book, and then we're going to dive right on into the interview with Mr. Graham Bonnet. The name of this track is Dead Man Walking. Richie Blackmore, Michael Shanker, Inve Malmsteen, Steve Vai, Cozy Powell, Roger Glover, and even Chris Impelletary. But you've worked with all of these. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> How challenging has it been with your current band to put all the pieces together so that you can respectfully cover everything that you've done in the past? do justice to the material, and at the same time, cohabitate with these people on the road? Uh, well, it was um, actually it was easier than I thought, because actually our guitar player, Conrado Pesonado, hell of a name, isn't it? Conrado Pesonado. He was really worried about, um, you know, following, so to speak, in the footsteps of the before guitarists, you know, the as, as above guitarists, you know, Ring Bay and uh, Steve and uh, Chris, and um, he said, well, I, I don't want to play like them. I want to use, we did some re-recordings of our old songs, my old songs, and he said, I don't want to use you know, all their guitar solo and copy it exactly. I want to just use their signature parts and do my own thing. And he, he was just worried about not being impressive enough, like all guitar players are all the same. I remember Steve Vai was the same. Ingvay Malmsteen was the same, believe it or not. They always are following somebody else. Ingvay, it was um, you know, Richie Blackmore, and then Steve Vai comes in after Ingve. Yeah. And uh, each player is saying, I can't do what he does. And then suddenly you find out, oh, yes, you can. But you do it your own way, your own style. And that's what I said to Conrado. You know, uh, 
don't try to emulate them. It's like me trying to emulate uh, Frank Sinatra or something. I, I can't do it. I probably right. could. But uh, the whole thing is to develop your own style, um, which I think all musicians do eventually after they've found their kind of niche, what kind of music they dig. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a... It was quite easy to get these recordings done again and, um, you know, play with a great band. And uh, I think we have a really good band, and it's a very sort of a family feeling to it. There's no ego trips going on in this band, I can tell you. Yeah, definitely from seeing the uh, documentary that you guys posted last year, I believe it was, with you guys touring throughout the U.K. and and all that, it really seemed like there was a really good chemistry between everyone, and everyone was really... You know, really in good spirits, and even when you guys had the incident with the van getting stuck and everything like that, there was there was like no like pissing or moaning. Everyone was taking it in strides, (laughs) and was (laughs) you know was like yeah. I mean, I looked miserable most of the time. I wasn't feeling too well. I remember feeling like oh god, because we've been traveling so much. I had I caught a cold or something. So a lot of that footage i'm like oh god please don't film me again please leave me alone um so i didn't partake in a lot of it but uh, yeah i'm there but it was um some of that stuff i was going why the hell are we doing this now but i can see what it what it's like now it was it was fun to do and to actually look in on a certain you know on uh, a road trip so to speak of a, a bunch of musicians it was kind of interesting absolutely and sort of Taking it back to something that you had mentioned uh, with your guitars, you've stepped in a few situations where you've had to, you know, cover for other people, or not cover for other people, but do other people's material. Mm. You have your own unique style. Has there ever been a instance where, uh, you know, you were afraid of, oh, I have to sound like Dio, or I have to sound like Gary Barden, or I have to, you know, follow a certain thing, or have you always gone into situations saying, you know what? I'm Graham Bonnet. Screw it if nobody accepts that. I, well, I mean, um, no, I never, I never tried to, you know, uh, imitate or emulate them at all. There was no point. I sing one way, well, mm-hmm. a bunch of different ways, but I have one voice and I have a different body shape. We all sing differently. You know, you're born with a certain uh, head, <laughs> head shape or whatever it may be. And, you know, when somebody says, um, can you sing like whoever, um, I, I say, yeah, I can sing in a similar way, but I'll never be him because I'm not him. Um, you're born with a certain body and a certain amount, you know, of certain pipes. And uh, when people ask me sometimes, how can I sing like you? I said, you never will. Right. Because you sing like you. It's like the guitar players, you know, how can I play like Ingley says Steve Vai, you know, for instance. You won't. You'll play like Steve Vai. But um, it's, uh, I never wanted to copy any of those guys. I just went in and if my voice was good enough on the songs, you know, I made up the melodies when I was with Michael Shanka and uh, Alcatraz as well, obviously, my own band. So um, I never really tried to copy anyone. Obviously, with all of these different names that we're bringing up, some of them are known for their strong personalities, per se. Is there any type of secret that you had to work with all of them and make everything successful and, after all these years, make it all sound very classic? Uh, well, I, if, if anybody's... Uh, I've, been, I've been very lucky. I'm, I, when I joined Rainbow, I was kind of terrified because I looked, looked and sang to me. I wasn't the guy they wanted. I felt very out of place. I looked out of place. And I thought probably I was a bit too um, R&B influenced or whatever pop music influenced rather than the heavy thing. But I got on with those guys great. All, all of them. Every one of them. I never had any problem um, that I'd heard of, you know, with um, things happening on the road, um, you know, tricks being played on people and all that kind of stuff. It never happened to me. It happened to other guys, but not to me. Uh, Richie was very protective of me. I seem to remember somebody telling me, I think Roger told me, he said, you won't let anybody fool around, you know, and uh, mess up your hotel room before you get back in there or whatever, or there were no pranks played on you. So Richie was very respectful. And later, all the other guys that I've worked with were basically people I chose to work with anyway. So I didn't want to be in a band with um, people I didn't like. It would be a bit stupid. So I've never really had any problem personalities or anything, really. Except for Ingve in the end, when Ingve, uh Malmsteen got a little bit over the top. He got uh, very aggressive. Moving on to the book, the, the album that's coming out now. The album to yeah. me was a very big surprise because there are 
are a lot of artists of your caliber or people that have a fraction of your notoriety. They sign these deals, and then it seems like mm. they're going through the motions just to collect that paycheck. From yeah. the first few bars of Into the Night, my first reaction was, holy shit, this could fit into like so many other eras of mm. bands and music that that you've worked with in the past. How difficult was it to sort of cull all these different ideas and all these different things from your past to make this album almost like a perfect storm? Wow, thank you. <laughs> That's a nice compliment. Well, I mean, um, I make up songs the same the way I've always done them. I don't just grab them out of, out of the air. They take a while. You know, each song always takes me, uh, you know, a couple of probably a couple of months to actually develop into into something that sound, is going to sound reasonable and then all the lyrics etc but I've been lucky enough to work with like great with great musicians in the past they've all given me um, ideas musically about chord structures etc etc I've well, probably one of the best bands around. That was Rainbow. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't wish for better. Uh, great teachers. Cozy Powell, Don Airy. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, you know, I, they were my closest friends in Rainbow. And I always hung out with those two. It was always Don and Graham and Cozy. Uh, but the, the, I've, um, I mean, what, what more can I say? The, the ideas are, are always in my head. Every day I write something. Every day I think of a, a, a subject to talk about it for people fit into a song. I get inspired by just walking outside the door. You know, sometimes something happens. You'll see a sign on the road. It will say something. You go, oh, what does that mean? And you look into it deeper. And then from that sign, road sign, can come a story, a, probably a fictional story. But most of the time, I try to write from reality. So the songs that I've made up on, on this album are all from real experiences, most of them. And in the past, in my other bands, too. Did you start putting this material together before you were touring last year, or did this all come out after that tour? Well, it was after. Yeah, I, I had this stuff, you know, these ideas lying around for um, uh, for about three years, I guess. And then we went out on tour, and we did uh, uh, we did one song. Um, we recorded uh, two songs, I think we recorded. Uh, but we had nothing really, you know, nothing fully developed before we finished touring. The touring was important for us all to sort of get used to playing with each other, too. It was a great help. So it's good to do a tour and then record. And sometimes the other way around, when you tour for, you know, a short tour, not a long, long one. But when you come off, off the road, sometimes it's good to go into the studio because everybody's kind of vibed up and you're really, um, you know, all your chops are there and everything. But uh, this was after. Yeah. Uh, were these tracks recorded simultaneously, like almost as... Uh, live in the studio, or was everything uh, just recorded individually? Did each player record individually? Yeah, we, we did it all individually. I did some like some rhythm guitars with Conrad, uh, which we sometimes took off or whatever later, and um, he did his part. Then we we sent the rough demo of what we'd done to our drummer, and then we do the bass part uh, or the keyboard part and the bass part last. So it's done in that, that way because you know how everybody works now. Nobody actually gets in the studio together like we used to do in the old days. In the old days. But um, well, me and Bethany and Conrad uh, often used to just jam on the tunes by ourselves just to make sure we're all playing the right things and singing the right parts. But, uh, yeah, it was all done by mail, as I say. You know, kind of pro tools and uh, emails and sending files and all that kind of thing. I like it the old the old way myself, but I kind of got that vibe from working with Bethany and with Conrad at the house here, and um, so the part of the band was here at least. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to hear because the way that everything worked out, the way it was recorded, it actually sounds like you guys were all in the studio together doing the album. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. Well, that was the idea. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing to hear. A lot of bands, I mean, you can tell when they're mailing the parts in from, in the yeah. sense that they're all over the world and everything is sort of being yeah. pasted together. You, you can yeah. really tell, but, I mean, I think it's, it's uh, for fans of your work, it's really hard to tell that that was done on this album. It really does sound like an old-school album. Yeah, and that's what, that's what we're going for. I mean, you know, it's, uh, we've got a computer and we record. Off you go. You know, it's, it's a different world now, I know. But um, it's... Um, 
When I did all the vocals, for instance, most of the band were here, you know, so there was a little vibe going there. You know, why don't you do this, Graham? Oh, okay, let me try that, you know. So there was input from everybody, which is great, because, uh, as I said, Conrad comes over once in a while, and I live with Bethany, so, you know, it's a family already. <laughs> what was the catalyst to do the uh, cover tracks that appear with the book? Uh, well, that was not my idea. It was um, the record company Frontiers, and they wanted, part of, it was part of our deal. We had to do two, basically, almost three albums in a very short time. So we had to re-record all the stuff I've, you know, some of the, they picked the tracks, stuff I've done over the years, and asked for us to re-record them, because they asked certain people, what track do you like from, you know, uh, Michael Shanker, Rainbow, and, and, and Alcatraz, whatever. And um, I was given the list of tracks and sort of reluctantly sang them again. Some of them I, I thought, well, I can't top this. I can't make this better. I could right. probably do it kind of the same, but will we play it as well? Or will it have the same enthusiasm and energy that it had on the old tracks? I don't know. I didn't really, I, it took me a while to do them, I, I can tell you, because I was, you know, how can I improve on this or do something different? Because I've sung those songs so many times over the years, mm -hmm. I, I'm a bit dried up with them, you know. But yeah. they turned out pretty well, I think. I think the band played very well, and as far as I know, uh, the tracks aren't bad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And getting back to what you initially mentioned, I think the band as a whole shines. But just hearing hearing Corrado cover all of these various, you know, legends <laughs> was was yeah. very amazing to hear how, as you said, it isn't exactly the same. But he really holds his own with a lot of this classic yeah. material. Yes, he does. Yeah, and he's learning every day, like we all do. You know, you learn something in music. It's uh, you never know what's going to come along. Sometimes you pick up a guitar and suddenly you find a new chord, and, and that's what um, Conrad is doing. He's finding, he's inventing ideas instead of just copying what we've, what's been done before. You know, so that's great. Is there any secret to keeping your voice sounding its signature way all these years later? Um, try, trying to stay healthy, I guess, um, which I try to do. I, I was telling someone else earlier that um, I have a bad problem. I am uh, asthmatic, and uh -huh. I suffer from bronchitis quite a lot as well. So that is when my voice goes down terribly, and it sometimes happens on the road, and there's nothing I can do about it but have to suffer through croakiness and stuff. But I've had bronchitis ever since I was a kid, and I became asthmatic when I lived in Australia about... Um, 16 years ago, something like that. And uh, suddenly I had asthma. I thought, oh, my God, what else do I need, you know? So I have to inhale, you know, use an inhaler every day and all that kind of crap. And it, it's horrible. So it's hard sometimes to keep in shape because of the condition I live in sometimes. But, and bronchitis lasts for three weeks or whatever. It can last for a month. It's hard. You just have to let it. You can't shake it with antibiotics. I tried that, and it doesn't work. You just have to let it, you know, run its course. But that's the only problem I have. I, mean, I still have the same range. Um, uh, my voice is somewhat stronger in certain uh, areas, too, uh, funnily enough, as I've got older. And I'm really old now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really old. I'm not in a wheelchair yet, but I'm, I'm very old. I'm thinking, God damn. Because most people, they, re they reach their peak vocally, vocalists, around 40. And that's when it's, you're in your prime, supposedly. But as I got older into my 60s, it suddenly was like, hey, wait a minute, I can still do that. I was kind of fearing uh, certain areas of my voice, lower register, smoother sounding notes, whatever. And I, I, after recording this album, I thought, oh, I can do that. Of course I can do that. All the high stuff is silly. Uh, you know, and that, anybody can do the high stuff. It's, it's the in-between notes that are the, are the difficult ones. And right. um, I, I'm just very lucky so far to have kept my voice my introduction to you obviously as a kid growing up i always heard uh since you've been gone on the radio but until you actually get that in my case that sort of bite to become the music nerd that i became you don't start to go back and check out people's catalogs so my introduction to you was that uh impelitary album is there anything yeah. that you recall from working with him initially and with a bunch of other musicians that went on to other uh, yeah. known projects. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that was, a, that was a hard one to do. I was away from home and from my family for a long time recording that album. 
and we're, we're on the road here. Um, I was living in Australia at that time when I did that album. And so my kids were over there and my ex-wife, and I was home. So, yeah, I missed them like crazy. And we went through a lot of hell. I had my dog here, and I was trying to get my dog over to Australia. There was all kinds of crap going on that was really depressing me. It was a hard time, and I had to really do this job and get it done with the album and go home, really. Mm-hmm. And we um, started to write the songs, and um, they came along pretty well. They were coming on good. And then he said, well, let's change some, some of the melodies. Let's make them higher. Oh, I said, are you kidding me? I said, well, there's, there's high notes in these songs already. So anyway, it, it was it was a, a hard slog. But in the end, I think um, we did pretty well. The album came out with a, some pretty good songs on there, I think. you know. Yeah. But it was a time that uh, I wasn't very happy with. It was just, uh, just an unhappy time. It was... Um, you know, being away from your kids and everything and all that kind of stuff and, and wondering what's going to happen to my big old dog, which eventually I couldn't take to Australia with me. I had to leave him behind here. Huh. Sorry yeah, which that. was a real drag. Yeah, it's horrible. And uh, he died here before I came back. Wow. Which was horrible. Yeah, absolutely. But apart from that, the music's fabulous. <laughs> but I can yeah. attest to the fact that the only material that he's ever released that I really enjoy are the two albums that you worked on with him. Oh, thank you. I'll agree um, with you on that. I, I don't like some of the other songs he's done either. Nothing to do with the singer. It's um, just the songs themselves. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it, as you're saying, it's just missing something there. And, and apart from your voice, there's just something with his playing, I guess, when he syncs up with you that it sort of puts his, his work over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I he, he overplays like crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's too much. It becomes like... All those notes become one note, and they're meaningless sometimes, you know. It's right. like, I was saying about singing high. If you sing high all the time, where's the dynamics? You know, you, you've got to do, there's got to be in-between parts, interesting parts, quiet parts, loud parts, you know. Not just sing, you know, up there because you can. Yeah. And a lot of singers do that. Because I can sing high, I will, you know. But you, that's not, to me, that's not proper songwriting. It's not grown-up songwriting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just silly. I had a uh, a friend of the show who is a huge Rainbow fan. I asked him if he had any question for you since he's such yeah. a huge fan of, of Rainbow and whatnot. And, and what he asked yeah. me was, you headlined the very first Monsters of Rock at Donington with Rainbow. And he yeah. asked if there were any interesting behind-the-scenes behind stories about that gig. And as far as his recollection, he believes that was the very last show Cozy Powell ever did with Rainbow. Yeah. Yes, it was. And mine, too, eventually. I mean, uh-huh. after that day, it was all over for me. Because when Cozy left, it right. was, um, we, we, yeah, we, we left, um, you know, and we went to Copenhagen to work on the next album. But Doncaster itself, that, that, um, that day was the most exciting day I've ever had in my life, I think, musically. Because... Um, even though Don Airy and I spent all afternoon before the show begging Cozy not to leave, it was horrible. It was, you know, like, man, what are you going to do? And, you know, he did what he wanted to do. He'd had enough of playing in Rainbow or whatever. And uh, we, we just didn't want him to leave. But um, I, I just know that that was probably... We were all very tired. I remember doing the show and thinking... God, I wish it had been a bit better because it's our last, and it's a big show, and it's our last one of the tour. Like two days before, we did like a really, really on show. Everybody was really energetic. And after we did the Doncaster thing, and Don said, that wasn't that good, was it? I said, no, damn it. I said, it's been filmed and everything, you know, the whole bit. But it was the end of a tour. You know, we've been on the road for months. And Cozy was leaving, so it was a really sad, horrible day in that respect but now when i look back at it when i see the film of it it ain't that bad it's pretty damn good i think you know apart from the sloppiness here and there from everyone but um it's pretty good there's no there's no fool in there that's real rock and roll (laughs) where should people go to keep up with what you have going on and with the grand bonnet band you have to go to our site the grand bonnet band site and uh you can find out you know where we're playing and um there's a, video, if there's a video up there. We keep putting videos up once in a while. Uh, you'll be able to see those too, which is uh, cool. Hi, this is Graham Bonnet, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Look out for the new album from my band. It's called The Book. Mm-hmm. 
there you go. That is Strangest Day by Graham Bonnet coming off of the book. Again, if you're even remotely a fan of his work, definitely recommend you checking that album out. That double album out. There you go. I want to thank Graham for coming on. I want to thank John Freeman for hooking me up with the interview. Very appreciative. And I want to thank you guys for, once again, checking me out here. Remember, if you want to hook up online, uh, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and find all the links for Twitter, Facebook, G+, Tumblr. And we have links to the, again, Google Play Store, the over to Stitcher, over to iTunes, and the RSS feed if you're using something altogether different and want to use that to hook things up. Uh, We're going to leave you with the remake of the track All Night Long, which is obviously a rainbow track since you've been gone and All Night Longer, or the two really big ones from his time in Rainbow. Let's go with All Night Long, and again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast, and it looks like we may possibly be recording episode 145 tomorrow, and it might be up this weekend. We shall see. So from not being able to release anything, due to being bed-stricken, to coming out one after another. One shot out of the barrel after the other. Yeah! (laughs) Anyway, here you go. A little more Graham Bonnet. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 